0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
1: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
0: Welcome to Viral, a podcast series looking at the spread of COVID-19 as it continues to affect Ireland and the international world in a growing capacity. On today's podcast, we look at whether Ireland's most vulnerable people are being cast aside as fears mount over emergency accommodation planning. We have 2,000 empty beds uh, across our public hospital system, and we have vacant ICU beds.
2: And in 20 years, um, in and out of hospitals, in my various different guises, uh, I've never uh, seen uh, so much capacity available uh, in our public hospitals as we have now, and that is encouraging. Uh, Us that we will be uh, ready for the surge uh, when it comes, but it has not come yet. Uh, It is only starting, uh, and I need to emphasise that.
0: That was Leo Varadkar speaking at Thursday night's press briefing about the calm before the storm as the Department of Health and HSE gear up for a surge in cases in the weeks to come. Varadkar spoke in detail about the facilities acquired over the past number of days, including the provision of field hospitals in Dublin City West and various ITs and colleges around the country.
2: There's two elements to that. Um, overflow capacity uh, beds where people can be transferred to uh, when they no longer need to be in acute hospital but still need oxygen, still need nursing care. Um, 450 beds of that nature will be available in the city west quite soon. Uh, and also isolation rooms for people who no longer need to be in hospital but still need some form of medical oversight and nursing care or perhaps can't be safely isolated at home.
0: Well on today's podcast we are looking at the preparations being made to care for those around the country who are homeless and living in emergency accommodation. Homelessness and housing were the second most important issues behind health in the Irish general election last February and now more than ever before the COVID-19 crisis is a very precise juncture where these two social and political issues link. We also take a look at some extremely jarring stories to come out of some of Ireland's direct provision centres with Lorna Siggins who has been covering it for the Irish Examiner. But before that, on Monday's podcast, we spoke to Paul O'Donoghue from the Times Ireland edition about the rental legislation that was passed into law last week by government. It constitutes a rental freeze and bans on evictions during the crisis period, but in the eyes of opposition TDs, carries some potential caveats that require renters to keep paying their rent even if they become unemployed. Owen O'Brien is Sinn Féin's spokesperson on housing and feels they do not go far enough to protect unemployed renters.
2: Clearly, look, anything that protects tenants in the property now is a good thing. But our big worry is if you're a renter in Dublin and if average rents are €1,700 a month and you've just lost your job, then a three-month prohibition on notice to quit is welcome. But at the end of that three months, if there isn't some income support coupled with rent reductions, you're going to have a very substantial level of debt. If this crisis goes on four or five or six months you could be looking at between 3 6 or even 9000 euros of debt and that's not only just a bad thing for the renter it's a very bad thing for the landlord because uh, the landlord will have extreme difficulty reclaiming that debt particularly if uh, you return to low paid work or you can't get work that obviously has implications for the rental sector because a lot of these landlords could be semi professional or accidental landlords who may then decide to sell up and exit uh, and that could destabilize large sections of our our rental system overall So we've been calling very clearly for an emergency rent supplement payment, simplified with revised criteria from the current one, to meet some of the rental payments that are required now, a clear moratorium from the banks to landlords, where landlords don't have to pay capital or interest and there's no additional charges, and then in that context then there would be an actual reduction in the rent. So the difference between, say, the rent supplement payment or the HAP payment that you're getting and the full rent the landlord was previously getting would be reduced or waived fully, That way we get out the other side of this where there isn't a very substantial rent arrears debt burden, where landlords don't have to be chasing tenants for money they don't have, uh, and landlords aren't being chased by banks to pay money that the landlords don't have. Mm. Uh, And we think with a little bit of work between the bank's landlords, tenants, organisations in opposition, government could craft such a scheme that would give everybody the kind of medium-term security that they require.
0: As of Tuesday, the Department of Social Protection published a revised rent supplement form aimed at smoothing the process for the newly unemployed.
2: The difficulty, however, is they're not promoting this or advertising it. So at the moment, many renters, particularly renters who've never engaged with the social welfare system, don't even know a thing called rent supplement exists. So if there are any renters listening to the podcast who have lost their jobs and are in difficulty with their private rent, they need to go online, they need to get the eight-page rent supplement uh, application, fill it out and get it in as quickly as possible, because that will give them at least some relief. But I also think we still need to revisit the issue of rent reductions, rent waivers, and a clear and unequivocal uh, mortgage moratorium uh, for the landlords from the banks. And that I think is going to require uh, uh, heads being knocked together by government uh, uh, to put all that in place. And certainly in any engagement we have with the government in the coming days and weeks, we'll be pressing that as much as possible."
0: According to Focus Ireland's most recent figures from February, there are over 10,000 people countrywide relying on emergency homeless accommodation. How they will be accommodated during the crisis is one of the biggest issues the Department of Housing, Planning and Local Government face in the coming weeks.
2: So I suppose we've three layers to this. You have the single people who are in low threshold dormitory style emergency accommodation. You have families with children who are in hotels or bed and breakfast style accommodation. And then you have the families who are in the homeless hubs being run by the voluntary sector. I'm particularly worried about the first two categories in the first instance. So, dormitory-style accommodation is simply not suitable in the current health crisis. The Dublin Regional Homeless Executive has identified a number of emergency accommodation centres where they are concerned about the possible contraction and spread of the virus because of the communal nature of the settings. uh, And they are looking to identify alternative accommodation and decant people, even on a temporary basis, uh, to those locations. Similarly, they're looking to do something for the families who are in the more communal B&B style accommodation. I think what that highlights is, in fact, we shouldn't be using dormitory style accommodation uh, for homeless persons at all. And really what I'd like to see is not only uh, the decanting of people from those communal settings, whether it's emergency accommodation or direct provision as quickly as possible, but then a complete review of the use of dormitory style uh, or room-sharing arrangements for people who are already very vulnerable, whether it's in emergency accommodation or direct provision, uh, so that we get to a situation where, into the future, everybody is in their own door, temporary accommodation.
0: In recent days, efforts have been made by the Dublin Regional Homeless Executive, alongside voluntary organisations, to supply quick emergency accommodation for people needing to self-isolate. Pat Doyle is the CEO of the Peter McVerry Trust and describes how a large proportion of the people they work with live with chronic health issues.
3: So in Dublin alone, the Peter McFerry Trust on a given night in homeless services would work with about 660 individuals. And uh, we have identified about 160 of those who were immunely compromised due to, you know, neglected health issues over the years, maybe uh, chronic drug addiction earlier on in their life and has left them immunely compromised. So when the crisis struck, we did uh, an assessment of all those who would fall into the high risk groups. So just like in a general population, you have people with epilepsy, people with diabetes, people with asthma, people with COPD.
0: Like Owen, one of Pat's main concerns for the clientele are people who are living in shared accommodation.
3: Now in the trust, 66% of our clients are in a single or a twin room. But in a lot of providers, there may be three or four people in the room. And so the general population of homeless people, just like in nursing homes are more vulnerable for the spread should it happen. We've done well so far in the fact that this has moved slower in Ireland than it has in other countries, and we've had more time to prepare. But as of this morning, for example, and this morning being the 2nd of April, we have had nine people who have tested positive, and we have about 14 people who are awaiting a result of a test. And then we have a further 19 people waiting to be tested and then we have a further 25 people in isolation.
0: The trust also have 35 high-risk clients who are currently cocooning, similar to many senior citizens around the country who have done so at the advice of the government during the week.
3: In order to prepare, we emptied two of our centres and made available 25 units for self-isolation. So that's what we came up with as as an initial start and then the local authority, the DRHE, and also the HSC asked us, would we take on the management of 110 apartments across five blocks in one location? And would we manage that? And would we be able to put forward clinical staff to do that? So we have done, we put our clinical nurse manager and a team of nurses in there together with a team of social workers. And all those cases that I mentioned there, the 70 cases that I mentioned, they're all currently in individual apartments within those blocks. So we have... One block for people cocooning, one block for people who are self-isolating as a precaution, and then we've one block for people who are deemed positive. So we've seventy of the hundred and ten units um, currently occupied, um, and we have the remainder forty for those as they're proven to be positive.
0: In positive news for Pat and their staff, in the past number of days, 12 people who used the facilities were able to move back into regular accommodation after receiving a negative result for COVID-19. The Trust also secured a city centre hotel in Dublin with 100 ensuite single rooms available.
3: That's going to cater for those people that I talked about who are on our hit list, people who are very vulnerable and are immunely compromised but are not yet affected by the virus. So we're going to cocoon them within that hotel to make sure that we can keep them safe and meals will be brought to their
0: rooms. The work the Peter McVary Trust and the DRHE are doing is beginning to pay dividends already. But the road ahead is long and there are still many concerns for them in the coming weeks.
3: What we've been trying to do is to make sure that we don't resemble the nursing homes. The biggest risk to our client group at the moment who are cocooning is our staff. That's what's happened in the nursing homes. No blame on them. But that, you know, the virus has been brought into the nursing home. So we have to be very careful we don't bring it into the hostels. We don't have any clusters yet. So, it's, but it's still early days. It will rise more in the homeless population. But will we have enough? So if we keep it that way where there's some coming in, some coming out, we'd be able to grow our capacity. We're not using all of the 110 at the moment. We have 40 in reserve. I also mentioned at the beginning of this. Interview that we had 25 ourselves in our back pocket so we have a further 65 at the moment that we can call on if we need it if we do get a rush um or or a cluster or a kind of a an influx but we don't know do we i mean the next 10 days are vital now um they're absolutely vital and at the moment we're getting all the right signs from government and local authorities and the hsc that they'll back us um, and we hope that continues. But we're not taking it for chance because we reload really the young people within our client group who've had transplants, who've been immunely compromised, who've suffered from hepatitis and so on and that. And if it gets in there now, you know, that could wipe. A lot of the people that we know and loved for years, it could it could have a, a severe effect on them. But for the moment, we're trying to keep all of them as safe as we possibly can. And at the same time, uh, mind our staff, who are heroic, really, in all of this. Everybody talks about the nurses, but our own staff are in there day in, day out as well, trying to manage people in, in kind of congregated settings. It's not easy.
1: Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom.
2: All I would urge is the minister and his departmental staff do everything in their power to ensure uh, that people who are today at higher risk of infection or spread of infection because of the nature of their accommodation uh, 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 are protected. And also people who may have less access at the moment to to certain types of outlets, for for example, education facilities or, or cooking facilities get uh, additional supports um, uh, to get them through what's going to be an exceptionally difficult period. If your listeners who are at home at the moment self-isolating or or staying at home can reflect on how difficult it is Mm -hmm. for them, just imagine how difficult it is for families in hotel rooms with limited access to food or single people who are shacked up, you know, four, six or eight uh, in, in a dormitory-style t- setting, you know, we need to make sure that those people aren't forgotten in this crisis.
0: The virus has put a strain on every public service imaginable, and last month a decision to release 200 prisoners from the prison service was announced by the Department of Justice. I wanted to know whether releasing nearly 5% of Ireland's prison population just enhances the strain the homeless services are currently under.
2: I do understand that the HSC has acquired a significant number of temporary accommodation Some of that is from the universities, um, uh, whose on or near campus accommodation is now uh, vacant. uh, And there's accommodation from elsewhere. Some of the short-term letting is now returned to the long-term letting stock, etc. So I would hope in all of that that they have a properly coordinated plan. One of the frustrating things for for TDs at the moment is is that um, we're not getting the, the same level of information from all sections of government as we would have got before. Some of that is understandable because you have a lot of public servants who are working very, very hard to deal with the frontline crisis. But we would think it might be helpful if if they can share some of that information with opposition spokespeople. Now, some agencies have been very, very good. Others have been a little bit behind the curve. So you would hope they have a full and proper plan. I suppose the issue then is what happens on the other side of this crisis. Uh, but the, the thing that's of paramount importance is everybody has a place to stay that is safe, that allows them to, whether self-isolate or, or, or socially uh, uh, distance, uh, and then we can assess the situation as it goes. There is a big fear I have at the moment, like I'm, I've i been talking to the homeless services sector, and there is a sense in which the right types of moves are happening, whether they're happening fast enough, we don't uh, know yet. I'm I'm hearing far less about the direct provision center, sector, and that is an area I would have very significant concern on. Uh, because while the voluntary service providers in the homeless sector are working very hard, I'm not hearing the same about the private service providers within the direct provision sector, and I'm not hearing anything about decanting people from potentially a high-risk communal accommodation. That is a worry.
0: NGOs and politicians like Own have been warning for a number of weeks about the vulnerability of the 7,200 people in direct provision and emergency accommodation centres around the country. Lorna Siggins is a journalist who broke a story for the Irish Examiner on asylum seekers who've been left homeless after positive COVID-19 diagnosis earlier this week.
1: The Department of Justice has announced 650 extra beds this week in hotels in Dublin, Cork and Galway but it's just not clear. The NGOs are looking for some clarity on the detail of this and is this For people who are voluntary self-isolating or self-isolating after they have been ill or, you know, so they're looking for more detail. But in the meantime, I had been contacted by some um, reliable health sources to say that there had been a disconnect between government departments in relation to how to treat people in vulnerable situations. I suppose we're already seeing the situation with people in nursing homes and the shortage of carers and the clusters that have been developing in nursing homes. But the Department of Housing has been putting measures in place in relation to homeless people and rough sleepers to offer them self-isolation facilities. But the Department of Justice seems to have no plan. This would have been earlier this week in relation to the situation of people in direct provision and i was told that last week several asylum seekers who had been hospitalized in two separate hospitals in dublin and who were living in a center in the east of the country they were due to be discharged neither of them was seriously ill the first person was told that he would not be accepted back into his center so he had to go back to hospital and then the second person was released from hospital and was not admitted back into his centre. And he was lost track of and nobody quite knows where he is now. Um, is he sleeping with friends or is he rough sleeping or is he homeless or or whatever? Now, obviously, when he was discharged from hospital, he was well enough to be discharged. But um, the medical advice that uh, we were being given was that you self-isolate for a good five days after your fever has subsided. Mm. So um, the sources also said to me that they had anecdotal evidence of people in another centre who had uh, been developing symptoms who were awaiting tests and um, were getting very stressed that they weren't being tested. And then that several who had tested positive and had um, either received hospital treatment or had been told they were requiring isolation, had also been told that they couldn't stay in this centre.
0: After a huge amount of public and political discussion about, you know, protecting the vulnerable over the next couple of weeks, this is obviously quite jarring news to hear. What has the reaction been off the back of it then?
1: I did speak to several of the NGOs about this and the movement of asylum seekers in Ireland, I suppose, is really keeping track of everybody and their particularly concerned because they said that there was a notice issued by the Department of Justice on March the 31st stating that anyone other than an essential worker who is absent without approval from a centre for more than one night will not be permitted to return so as mazi was saying this could affect people who are hospitalized uh, and who may not have been able to tell their center in advance that you know they were going to be taken to hospital it's also worth pointing out that there are a number of essential workers living in direct provision centers there are people working as carers who who secured the right to work while they're awaiting their uh, asylum application and they are working in different care uh, settings and they're very concerned i spoke to one woman She's from Malawi and she's living in a centre now in Monaghan. She had been living in Canavara in County Galway. Both her husband and herself both work in care jobs. She'd been working part-time and he was working full-time. Her husband has had to go and find a place to stay with friends in Dublin because he's afraid that he might bring an infection back to the centre where they both are. She's had to give up her work and her son is asthmatic. And she says that while the centre she's in is making some efforts to provide for social distancing, there's really nowhere to self-isolate. And that in other centres where she has friends, there's neither social distancing nor any self-isolation. And that, you know, there are communal food settings.
0: Lorna has also learned of a facility in Galway for single males where someone had tested positive for the virus but his cohabitants were left with insufficient access to safe living quarters in the days after.
1: The two other people who were sharing his bedroom were put into self-isolation, but there's no additional isolation facilities in that place for any of the other people in the hostel, and they're all in shared eating and shared bathrooms Mm. as well.
0: On Tuesday, the Department of Justice had announced that there were 650 extra beds located in Cork, Galway and Dublin being made available for asylum seekers but there are still some discrepancies around the functionality of them and whether they will be truly fit for purpose.
1: The Irish Association of Social Workers said that it is important to note that these are 650 additional beds that are being provided, not 650 rooms. And they say it's unclear whether these beds will be in an environment where there's self-isolation and where social distancing will be possible. So they're concerned that clusters of infection could emerge in the same way that they have in nursing homes. And they're looking for vulnerability assessments to be introduced as a matter of urgency among other measures. And vulnerability assessments are something that the government is internationally obliged to carry out when people are coming here looking for asylum. And I think this has been an ongoing issue that NGOs have been raising with the Department of Justice for some time.
0: Earlier this week, a public letter addressed to Antisha Leo was published and signed by over 800 doctors, lawyers, public health officials and academics. It warns that the Irish health system would be unable to cope, if cases of the coronavirus become widespread in Ireland's direct provision centres, and that people will die unnecessarily if there is no resolution to providing suitable accommodation.
1: One of the signatories to that letter is Dr. Veronica Crosby of DCU, and she is chair of the Universities of Sanctuary Ireland.
0: This is the network system that provides places and universities to people entering Ireland seeking asylum.
1: This network wrote to the various higher education bodies the universities, and the technological institutes appealing for vacant campus-based student accommodation to be made available to asylum seekers. This accommodation would be of very good quality and, you know, there would be proper ensuite accommodation, that sort of thing. And the network really feels that the government should take up this offer if the universities and the technological institutes agree. And she told me that she had received a positive response from the higher education sector, but it had said that it was awaiting a direction from the HSE and the Department of Education and Skills on this.
0: And if given the go ahead as well then is there any indication of when this might fall into place?
1: Her network is having a meeting today so she was saying that the uh, higher education sector is already doing very valuable work with contact tracing and with refocusing research programs in relation to treatments and cure for COVID-19 and that she therefore felt that the accommodation issue should also be kept very much at the top of the agenda.
0: That was episode 13 of Viral COVID-19. I would like to thank Ono' Breen, Lorna Siggins from the Irish Examiner and Pat Doyle, the chairman of the Peter McVerry Trust for joining me today. During the week we heard of a decision to heavily limit the capacity at funerals around the country during the crisis, so on Monday's podcast we look at the subject of grief and bereavement in a world of social distancing. I mean Doyle.
1: shopify is there to help you grow shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout 36 percent better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms because businesses that grow grow with shopify get a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com work shopify.com work